to the mini break, your date podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Thursday, October 26th. What a 24 hours we just saw unfold. Countless upsets impacting the race to the ATP Tour Finals. To me, today's pro tennis results felt like an NCAA March Madness sort of day. There was a brief window where all of the dominoes were starting to fall yet had an upset in Basel, an upset in Vienna, another upset in Basel. Just a stellar day of tennis for me to break down on today's show. And of course, as we have done all week long, I want to run you through the three big tour-level events on the calendar this week. Of course, on the men's side, we've got that 500-level action in Vienna, in Basel, Four different seeds knocked out today in Basel, three of them in the thick of that race to the Tour Finals. Two of those seeds, Kasparud, Taylor Fritz, they were knocked out 7-6 in the third. And look, that Taylor Fritz-Alexander Shevchenko match, it was the most fascinating battle of the day. Fritz, so many different breakpoint chances, ultimately 0 for 15 on the day. Two of those break points at 5-6 in the third set. Match points as well. It was a heartbreaker for a Taylor Fritz who, again, right now is on the cusp of stealing that eighth tour final spot from Holger Runa. Obviously, he'll have to turn his attention to the 1,000-level event next week in Paris. But what a run it's been for Alexander Shevchenko. What a season it's been for the soon-to-be 23-year-old Russian. Not only does he get engaged to longtime girlfriend uh, Anastasia Potapova, excuse me, was blanking on the name there for a moment, but it's been a career season for him on court as well. This quarterfinal in Basel, the first of his career at the tour level, the feather in the cap punctuating that fact. We'll break down the mechanics of his victory today, what went wrong for Taylor Fritz, and then, again, get into our other upsets. Fritz wasn't the only seed knocked out 7-6 in the third. Casper Ruud fought his tail off, but man, I've been saying it for two years now. Dom Stricker is special. Just his ability to strike the ball, his ability to take that backhand on the rise, cross court, I mean. Come on now. Sometimes you just know special when you see it. And again, is he a finished product? Absolutely not. But there are things, so many things, Dom Stricker can do that others can't. We saw those on display today. What a victory uh, for the young Swiss star, particularly to do it in his home country as well. We'll break down the mechanics of that victory. We'll talk about two guys who needed victories coming into the week and have gotten them in Felix Ogier, Ali Asim, Holker Runa, each advancing to their first quarterfinal in quite some time. We'll break down the other upsets on the day. Demon Hour, Nicholas Yauri knocked out. We'll talk out We'll talk about who did the damage, how they were able to do so, of course. In Vienna was a pretty clean sheet. Only one upset on the day. And again, this was one of the dominoes that fell. Tommy Paul knocked out, not just by an unseated Borna Goyo, but knocked out by an unseated Borna Goyo in straight sets. And look, we've been following Borna since he was an All-American. At Wake Forest, I know what his best tennis can look like. We all saw that when he reached week number two at the U.S. Open earlier this season. It's been a career year for the Wake Up Forest All-American, punctuated, of course, in his first tour-level quarterfinal, uh, with his first tour-level quarterfinal, excuse me, this week in Vienna. But other than that, again, 
good day for the top seeds. Tsitsipas surviving, Medvedev finding his form against Dimitrov, Tiafo, Sinner, Rublev, all looking the part. We'll break down all of the action in Vienna as well, and then we'll head on over to Zhuhai. Only two matches on the day. What a result for Daria Kasatkina to clinch her spot in the semifinals again. It was always going to be very difficult for her to replicate the top eight season she put together last year. Just so many different quarterfinals in Kasatkina for in 2022. But she may not be a top eight player. That she is definitively a top 15, top 12 player is a testament to just the totality of things she can do on court. And I mean, man. She made Magda Lynette so uncomfortable. I think there were eight breaks of serve in that match from Kazakina and 10 Lynette service games. That tells a story in itself right there. Your other winner on the day, Ludmilla Samsonova, sets up a, I, I believe, two play-in matches in our final two matches. Ostapenko versus Chin Wen, a play-in match. What's our other play-in match? It's Samsonova versus, I believe, Kudermatova. Anyways, we got some things to sort out in Zhuhai. We'll break down today's results. Set up, excuse me, our three final group play matches on the day for Friday as well on today's show. That's the agenda for all of you listeners. Appreciate all of you who tune in day in, day out. If you're looking for more coverage, head on over to our Great Shot podcast feed. John Parsons, Archit Suresh join me to talk all things related to the college tennis world, both current results happening in the college tennis fall, as well as pro results for players with college tennis ties. So again, be sure to go check that out over on the Great Shot podcast feed. And then sincerely, I've been paying attention every day. Another review comes in on Apple, and I'm very appreciative of that fact. If you haven't already, go fill that out. I want to hear your thoughts. I want to know what you want to hear throughout the course of the off season. So whether it's through the Apple Podcast comments, whether it's via our social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, at Cracked Rackets, be sure to let us know what you want us to cover as we begin to turn the page from 2023 to 2024. Also, I've been promoting it all week, but your reminder, Saturday, Sunday, we'll have coverage of a 15K ITF Pro Circuit event on our Crack Rackets YouTube channel. It's the Norman Open. If I had to make a prediction right now, I think we're going to get two-time Kalamazoo champion Lerner Tian, one of the most talented teenagers we have in the world right now. Looks like he's, I believe, into the quarterfinals. He wins. We'll see him on semifinals Saturday. We might get Alex Martinez, who I believe was a finalist, if not winner, of the event last year. He's an Oklahoma senior who is looking to make a leap forward as he approaches his final year of college tennis. And look, even beyond that, there are a lot of intriguing names we can get to. Another talented teenager, Alex Rezeghi, in the draw, still alive If you want to follow that action, you want to see who the rising stars are, and you're in the mood to follow some pro tennis throughout the course of the weekend, again, we'd appreciate all of you tuning in to the Norman Open. Even if you're not tuning in, just leave it open. We'll take the numbers. We'll take the what it does, again, for the formula. Just leave it open on some tab throughout the course of the day. Semifinals Saturday. Finals on Sunday. We'll have coverage on our Cracked Rackets YouTube channel. A thank you, of course, to the support we get from our friends at Tennis Point, tennis-point.com, the promo code is CR15. Without that support, without your support, we wouldn't have these sorts of opportunities. So again, Norman Open, Saturday, Sunday, Cracked Rackets YouTube channel, tennis-point.com. The promo code is CR15. All right, let's break down what was a crazy 
24 hours in the tennis world. We got to start Shevchenko Fritz. Can I mention it again? Taylor Fritz, 0 for 15. 0 for 15 on breakpoint chances in his matchup today. Ultimately, Alexander Shevchenko, the 22-year-old Russian, already at a career-high 83, entering the week, now up to a new career-high 63 after reaching his first Pro Tour quarterfinal gets it at a 500-level event here in Basel. Look, he's been sniffing around this all season long. You look for Shevchenko, who's 41-32 and 32 overall on the year. He's won two different challenger events, made the final of that 125K in Phoenix as well. And look, he's had a solid tour-level season as well. Gets a win at Roland Garros, qualifying for the main draw there. You know, has gotten wins at multiple events this year's 12 and 15 overall on the season, which again, under 500 in tour level events, but now into his first quarter final and just has set himself up to play a full tour level schedule next season, really test himself against the best. And look, the physicality is already there for the Russian. You saw that in this matchup with Taylor Fritz. And again, I think these courts in Basel and Vienna this week, they're playing a little bit slower for indoor hard courts. They're a little grittier. And again, for a guy like Shevchenko, who needs a little bit more time to extend through that backhand, who loves to grip, hold, and rip on that forehand side. It's the perfect surface for him. You know, again, he won 77% of his first serve points in this match. There were no breaks of serve. Fritz 0 for 15, Shevchenko 0 for 3 on break point chances. And I hate to be blunt. Why did Taylor Fritz lose this match? It's because he's still not good at volleying. It's because Taylor Fritz, who had countless opportunities to push forward with the depth, the pace of the ground strokes he was producing, with the defensive positions he had Shevchenko pushed into, and yet Fritz is just so uncomfortable moving forward. And he he tries to do it more, but even when he does, he'll float that first volley. And Shevchenko's just too physical. He gets there. He tracks that ball down. He passes Fritz on the second or third opportunity, whatever it may be. Look, the two match points, there were nothing Taylor Fritz could do. 5-6, 15-40. You know, yes, did Fritz short arm a forehand when he was pushed into the corner? Yes, but Shevchenko hit a good forehand on that ball. That was a forced error, not really unforced for Taylor Fritz. The second one, Shevchenko bombs a T-serve and a line forehand. Absolutely nothing Taylor Fritz could have done about that combination. Shevchenko paints the line on that inside-out forehand at the 30-40 point. It's gumption from the 22-year-old Russian who, again, I think I don't think he's got top 10 sort of ceiling, but I think he can be in that top 50 mix for a while, and he'll throw his name into a quarterfinal of a big event here and there. He has those sorts of weapons. He has that sort of grit, a fantastic competitor. This match was on Taylor Fritz's racket. And just again, on at least seven of those 15 break points, he hit an advantageous enough ground stroke to push forward. And had he pushed forward, I think there would have been first volleys presented for him to easily knock off. And he's just not comfortable doing that yet. And again, with the pace he's able to produce, Taylor Fritz's ability to strike a ball at the ground, uh, from the ground it's as elite as anyone. He really has gotten so much better as a mover laterally, and he's not slow anymore. He's fine as a mover. He's not elite by any stretch of the imagination, but he's fine. It is not debilitating in the way it might have been early in his career. The volleys still are. Had he been able to finish points off comfortably at the net, I do think he gets off the court in straight sets in this one. 
look, this is a tough loss because Holger Runa did ultimately advance in straight sets on the day. Holger's playing some good tennis now from a set and a breakdown. Again, three sets over Kesmenovic in round one. Straight sets over Sebi Baez, six and one into the quarterfinals for Runa. By the way, for Holger Runa, it's his first quarterfinal since Wimbledon back in July. And again, coming into this, he had lost eight of his last nine. So big result for Runa. But yeah, again, this is a tough one for Taylor Fritz because now he falls 145 points behind Holger Runa. Runa still has opportunity to gain points this week. Obviously, you've got Paris coming up next week as well. He's going to have to do 150 points better than Runa, which is what, at least semifinal, something like that, before it even gets into the conversation it's a tough loss for Fritz. Just again, he's going to be on the periphery, although I suppose always he'll be the first alternate, which means he'll probably play at least one match in Turin, but that hurts. It was a tough loss for Fritz on the day. And look, I mean, he's not the only one. Kasparud as well. Jumped now by Hubi Hercats. Rude falls to 11th in the points race. He's now 375 uh, points, excuse me, behind Holgaruna. He pretty much have to, again, final semi-final win Paris and hope everyone else does poorly as well because Kasparud also, for what it's worth, 200 points behind Taylor Fritz. It doesn't formally eliminate him because there are a thousand points on the line next week. Anything can happen for Kasper if he wins that event, sure, but that was a tough one for him, knocked out by Dom Stricker. And look, what a win for Stricker, who, by the way now, we've seen make multiple quarterfinals at the tour level. In fact, in reaching the quarterfinals here in Basel, yes, it's his first of the season. It's his third overall in the career. And now he's made, by the way, quarterfinals on clay courts. He's made one on a grass court in Stuttgart. Now he makes one on an indoor hard court in Basel as well. And look again, uh, it's a big result for Stricker, who's now 35 and 20 overall in the year, seven and seven now in the tour level action that he's played. This result consolidates his top 100 spot. He's up seven spots to 89 in the live rankings, but the delta between him and 100th, Liam Brody now 71, uh, 73 points, excuse me. So you feel like for Stricker, you can feel like, all right, I'm probably getting into the Australian Open main draw next year. By the way, with this win, Stricker up to sixth now in the next gen finals race. And again, Alcaraz Runa, who are in the top two spots, assuming they're getting into Turin, they're not going to be playing the next gen finals. They're probably not playing it anyways. I don't know. Fourth place, Lorenzo Musetti's going to play it again either. So with this victory, if you're Dom Stricker, you feel like, yep, I'm getting into the next gen finals as well. Where, by the way, the 21-year-old from Switzerland was a semi-finalist last year. The lefties' weapons are just so real. And not only did he find the Casperu backhand on serve with ease, as lefties are prone to doing, but his ability to capture the heavy topspin forehand of Casperu, and any time it was left short, use his backhand, take that ball early on the rise, and drive through the court cross-court. There just aren't a lot of players who can do that with their backhands. And the strength, the ball striking, it's just never in doubt for the 21-year-old. Now, again, he has a great first step. He's much more fluid than a guy who he's thicker. He is. He just has a thicker body composition, and yet you see him doing the splits and sliding into shots frequently. I really do like his first step, his ability to get out of uh, into corners, even if sometimes getting out of the corners a little bit slower. He anticipates so well. 
it just looks like nothing's too fast for Dominic Stricker ever. And you just do wonder, again, when he gets into his prime form physically with his ability to strike the ball, it doesn't matter that he's not the biggest guy. He can crank up the 130 serve if he needs to and how well he carves that lefty out wide slice to just give himself a lane of plus one forehand uh, to attack. Again, the plus one winner he hits on match point. Stunning. Stricker's got ball. I mean, he takes the third set breaker 7-1 over Casper. He had multiple breakpoint chances to break back in that second set as well. I think Rude fought off four breakpoints in his 4-2 service game, whatever that may. Yeah, I think it was the 4-2 service game. Um, Tough loss for Casper, who I don't think has played poorly down the season's home stretch again, even if the results haven't quite been there. But that's a great win for Stricker, 7-6 in the third, and you know, again, pretty much knocks out Kasparud probably from year-end finals contention. Same can likely be said about Alex Demonauer as well. And look, again, Talon Greekspor's into his ninth quarterfinal of the year. It's the most underrated season of anyone on the men's side, what the 27-year-old from the Netherlands has done this year. Nine quarterfinals. That's a top 10 number amongst top 50 tour-level players. Nine quarterfinals. You look for Talon Greekspor with this result, by the way, in the live rankings. He's currently sitting uh, all the way up at a new career high of number 22. He's 21 in the points race. He can't qualify for the year-end finals, but can absolutely finish the year top 20 in the points race. His forehand was the biggest weapon by far in the matchup against Demon Hour. And yes, Demon had some early breakpoint chances midway through that first set, but... Anytime Greek Sport connected on a return of serve, it felt like Demon Hour was just immediately rushed. And once he was rushed, Greek Sport's on the front foot and he's just swinging through everything so confidently, so cleanly right now. It's the best story I haven't spent enough time talking about. 29, again, a ninth quarterfinal for the 27 year old, excuse me, telling Greek Sport was just better. Then Demon had everything, and Demon did go up an early break in that second set. Greek Sport gets it back, pulls away from there. Impressive stuff uh, from Talon Greek Sport again. Four and three, ninth quarter final sets up a matchup with Hoopy Hercots. Just continues to get better and better. Something new each and every season. And again, that forehand weapon, it's just, it's so legitimate. It's very, very real. So into the quarterfinals, sets up a date with Hercots, your other winners on the day. Felix was excellent. Four and two over Vandesen Schkulp. Got up an early break. Uh, excuse me. Got up an early break. Gave the break back. Then breaks to close the set. So not an early break. Breaks for f- uh, 4-3. Gets broken for 4-all. Breaks again for 5-4. Hold serve 4-6-4. First set. Pulls away from there. He's just finally striking the ball cleanly again. And I've said this for two, three, four weeks now. I test. It's so much better. And he's into a much-needed quarterfinal once again. We saw Felix do the same thing. Only had to win one match, two matches to do it in Tokyo last week. Two matches again. He's into the Basel quarterfinals. Again, he won this event last year. He's down to 28 in the live rankings to start the week. Back up to number 23 uh, as a result of reaching the quarterfinals. And uh, next up for Felix will be Alexander Shevchenko. So another excellent opportunity. You also, how about Ugo Bear? Just sneaks into another quarterfinal. 6-6 six and six over Nicolas Yari. Umber up to 29 in the live rankings. He's four spots behind Adrian Manorino. Fewer than 100 points. In fact, if Umber is able to win his quarterfinal bout with Dom Stricker, a match according to Tennis Abstract Singles forecast, he's 76.8% favorite to do. 
he will match Manorino in points. They will be locked up at 15-15 apiece. You look at where they would be in the points race. Manorino 23rd, Ugo Umber 28. If he wins the match, he'll actually be 20 points behind Manorino in the points race with just Paris remaining. How fun is that? Two Frenchmen in Paris with the highest-ranked Frenchman spot for the season on the line. That's a really fun, sneaky subplot that I will be sure to tweet about going into next week, depending on, again, how um, Bears' uh, week finishes. But 6-6 six and six against Nicolas Yari. No breaks in that match. Um, Bear a little bit better in the two breakers. That said, your quarterfinals are set. Listen to these matchups. I really like Runa versus Echeverry. Runa, 79.9% favorite, 1-0 in the career head-to-head. That one's just gonna get physical. And what's been so much better about Holger Runa this week? He's healthy. He can embrace his physicality once again, moving so fluidly in and out of corners. You have matchup career number one for Shevchenko. Felix, Felix, 76%, uh, 0.7% favorite. I'd lean his way as well. Hercots Greeks were 1-1 career head-to-head. Greeks, uh, excuse me, Hercots 69.4% favorite. But again, Greeks has got some weapons to attack the Hercots forehand with to make his life uncomfortable. And then first career matchup between Umber and Stricker. Umber 76.8% favorite. I'm going to go Rune. Oh. Hmm. Echeverry, FAA, Hercots, Umber. Those are going to be your semifinalists in Basel. That would be my prediction right now. Hercots, the favorite, 30.5%. Runa, 22. Umber, 19.2. And then FAA, 17.7. So, what does the tennis abstract singles forecast says? It says it's a toss up. I would be inclined to agree with that as well. That said, that's where things stand in Basel entering quarterfinal Friday. In Vienna, only one seat upset. Bornegoya, the wild card, reached his first second week at a major at the U.S. Open and now into his first career tour-level quarterfinal, the former Wake Forest All-American and 25-year-old Croatian, now up to a new career high of number 73 in the live rankings as he knocks off Tommy Paul, 6-3-6-4, unbroken in this match was Goyo. And his serve, his forehand, those weapons have always been real. But he's got, not only has he thinned out and gotten a little more muscular, and so he can move a little bit more fluidly in and out of those corners, he's shortened down the ground strokes and he still explodes through them. But he needed a little bit more time early in his career to get into that forehand in particular. And I, I just really like how he's cleaned up his technique. And, you know, again, to beat Tommy Karatsev in straight sets back-to-back matches to reach your first tour-level quarterfinal of your career now, 43-24 and 24 overall as Borna Goyo this season, unequivocally going to end the year inside the top 100, get into the main draw of the Australian Open on his own ranking, and, you know, again, you look for him 12-8 and eight overall in the tour-level matches he's been able to play this year, win 2-1 and one at Davis Cup, wins over Greek Sport, Tiafo respectively, those you know that success his U.S. Open success as well now it's all translating it's all flowing together and again forehand to forehand on the uh, in this indoor surface yes I've mentioned I think it's a little slower it's a little grittier but he just got that ball into Tommy's body and it felt like Tommy was really struggling with his forehand today the backhand too he was just yanking it far too frequently and 
you know, again, he, you play slice for Borna, now you're in his torture chamber because now he's running around that ball, hitting a forehand no matter where you go with it. It was a really impressive result for Borna Goya. Straight set victory. Again, he's through to his first tour-level quarterfinal into the top 75 for the first time in his career. No other upsets on the day, but we'll rapid fire through because there was some really good tennis. Medvedev Dimitrov was stunning, and I will say it again. Grigor Dimitrov is one of the 10 best players in the world right now. I, I, I just I can't emphasize that enough. And the results of late have certainly indicated that. You look for Grigor again, semifinals, Washington, D.C., third round, really fun four-set match with Zverev, semifinals, Chengdu, quarterfinals, Beijing, semifinals, Shanghai. Listen to his last six losses. Seven losses. Good math, Alex. Evans, Zverev, 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 Sinner, Rublev, Medvedev. Now, I know what you're thinking. Would have been nice for him to get a win over one of those players. Keep in mind, he did beat Alcaraz in Shanghai, but Evans lost his side in Washington. Again, six of the 700 players who are going to be at the tour finals. I don't know what more you can ask for Grigor Dimitrov at this point of his career. 32 years old. He's one of the 10 best players in the world right now. The problem was, ugh. Medvedev was just moving, grooving. His forehand cross today wore Dimitrov down. And Dimitrov moves as well to the forehand as anyone in the game, as well as Alcaraz, as well as Novak. He is moving right now to his forehand as well as anyone. And yet, anytime Dimitrov tried to bait the on-the-run Medvedev forehand, it was just informed today. He yanked Dimitrov into that forehand corner time after time after time. And just ran out of juice. I mean, again, I was very impressed by the discipline of Medvedev today. 3-6-6-2-6-4. Daniil Medvedev into quarterfinal number 14 on the year. That leads all players on the ATP Tour. And by the way, slowly but surely, Daniil Medvedev right now closing in. Ah, he'd need eight more victories to get to 70 on the year. Can he sneak out eight between Paris, this, and the ATP Tour finals? Maybe. And I'm just... There's not a lot of players who have won 70 tour-level matches in a single season, particularly given how many of them have come on hard courts. I mean, he's got to be a Hall of Famer. He's been a world number one. He's won a slam. He's made multiple majors. That's not even in doubt at this point, but special, special hard court player is Daniil Medvedev, and that was a really fun three-set match, probably the best of the day in terms of quality in Vienna, but not only does he escape in three, how about Tsitsipas? He was down a break in the third set, ultimately cools the run of the rising 23-year-old from the Czech Republic, Thomas Majek. Uh, Tsitsipas, 6-3-4-6-7-5 over the qualifier, his serve and forehand are just remarkable. There's a reason he's two and hold percentage for Stefano Tsitsipas, a much needed quarterfinal appearance, his ninth of the year. Talon Greek sports, Stefano Tsitsipas, same amount of quarterfinals this season, both a top 10 number. Uh, it's going to be, you know, a, a very much open draw for Tsitsipas. Is he going to take on Borna Goyo? But, you know, again, other than that, our quarterfinal matchups are very, very juicy, and we'll get to them in a second. Rublev, Sinner, straight set wins. Matteo Arnaldi played excellent against Andre Rublev. I am buying stock in the young Italian. He can just do everything, and he's extraordinarily quick, fluid. I don't know what the weakness is. I Again, didn't quite have the pace to wear down Andre Rublev, but Rublev's been the fifth best player, you know, fifth or sixth best player in the world this season. 
and Arnaldi's 22 years old and really just getting a taste of this tour-level action and playing the big dog. So I'm all in on Arnaldi. Again, I, I just think he has the goods. Um, so that's another guy I'm sure we'll spend more time talking about in the offseason. But Rublev, Sinner, straight set wins. And then how about Francis Tiafo? Three-set win over certainly a hoppled Gael Monfi, and that makes sense. Monfi winning the title last week in Stockholm or Antwerp, whichever one it was. But... Credit to Francis. He's had to be physical these last two matches. He's ultimately through to the quarterfinals. And again, listen to these matchups. Hatchnov versus Medvedev in. Zverev versus Rublev in. Tiafo versus Sinner in. Tsitsipas versus Goyo. I'm in on that as well. Seven of our top eight seeds making it to the quarterfinals. Medvedev 5-1 and one in the career head-to-head with Hatchinov. He's also an 84.9% favorite according to the Tennis Abstract singles forecast. Tsitsipas 72.2% favorite. Zverev 5-2 in his head-to-heads with Rublev, but Rublev 54.7% favorite. And keep in mind, Rublev's won the last two matchups between these two, both coming this year in Dubai, Bostad, respectively. Obviously, it's a slightly different Alex Zverev than it was at that point of the calendar, but locked in on that one. Tiafo, Sinner, Sinner, 2-1 and one in the career head-to-head. But uh, keep in mind, Tiafo beats Sinner in Vienna two years ago, and if you remember that match well enough, that was the one where Tiafo got really energetic after going down early to Sinner, and that was a big moment, uh, a linchpin sort of moment for Yannick Sinner where he saw Tiafo's energy. Now, we've talked about it on this show over the years. It's a running joke between me and Gil Gross. How quickly can we mention that result? Yannick Sinner just plays with more fire, more energy, more passion outwardly. Since that moment, and to have a recap, you know, two years, a rematch two years later, it's a full circle sort of thing. That's actually a very fun renewal there. Again, Sinner 2-1 and one in the career head-to-head and an 80.9% favor. And by the way, shout out to Andre Rublev with his win over Arnaldi. He formally clinches his spot in the Tour Finals, fourth straight year for the 26-year-old Russian. He'll be in the final eight. I mean, again, he's set up to make it every year of his prime. Come on now. By the time he's done, if he racks up eight, nine tour finals, I do wonder how many. I'm going to have to look up tour finals appearances and figure out what the record book looks like because, again, some of these young guys, Virev certainly is flirting with it, Medvedev, Tsitsipas, they're all racking up those numbers. And it's not Djokovician or Rafin or Federarian yet, but... It's it's the next tier below that with how many they've racked up consecutively. I just I wonder how many players have accomplished that sort of feat. How it compares to the Burdiches, Ferrers, etc. of the world we've seen over the last two decades. That said, that's your ATP action over to the Elite Trophy now. Only two matches to break down from yesterday. Both pretty straightforward. Kasakina 3-4 and four over Magda Lynette. Daria Kasakina now clinching her spot into the semifinals of this event. Kasakina broke Magda Lynette eight different times in this match. Lynette served 10 total times. Eight different breaks for Daria Kasakina. Lynette won 20 of 60 service points in this match. She just couldn't hit through Daria Kasakina. Backhand to backhand, she had more success. But Daria Kasakina, the length of the forehand, the depth on every ball, there was just, again, she was, and first of all, Lynette was always down one hold. Kasakina would throw an early hold into the set and from there just keep on breaking. And again, it's the relentless physicality, the ability to get outside the ball, high and heavy, the depth 
The defense, if you do leave something short, she'll sneak in and slap a forehand by you. Kasekina is an extraordinary athlete. And again, into the semifinals here in Zhuhai with the results. She's up a spot to 16th now in the live uh, points, uh, in the live rankings. She's 17th in the points race as well. That's surprising. If she wins another match, oh, if she wins and makes the Zhuhai final, she'll jump all the way to 12th in the live rankings. I mean, I look around. Sam Benchich is one spot above her. Kudermatova is one spot below her. Maybe 16 is about right, but again, she's clearly a top 20 player, Daria Kasekina. For someone who doesn't have the biggest, man, uh, isn't the easiest to manufacture the weapons, the pace, as it is of some of her peers, it speaks to, again, the totality of things she can do. Kasekina, the straight set win today. And then Samsonova, three set win, which means if she wins, she's in, and she'll take on Kudermatova. If Kudermatova wins, I think Ju Lin then ultimately advances as Ju Lin does get a set in this match. But uh, in the end, it is Samsonova, 2-6-6-2-6-1. I hate to be this brief and blunt about this match, but it was as simple as er- she made all sorts of errors in the opening set, and then those errors went away. And just all due respect to Ju Lin, she was not able to compete with the pace of Samsonova. And again, Samsonova with a win and reaching the semifinals, she can get up to 12 in the rankings. If she wins this event, she can get as high as 10 in the live rankings to end the year. And I think given the hardcore fall she's had, the final third of the year, and what we've seen from her on hardcourts over the last two years or last 18 months, I don't know how Ludmilla Samsonova isn't the dark horse pick to win the 20 her and Chin Wen like if you're going to pick someone not named Sabalenka or Iga or Rabakna or Goff it's even hard for, I mean Goff's just one of the US Open it has to be those four names if you're not going to pick one of those big four don't you have to go to Chin Wen or Samsonova making that next leap making that taking that final step it's the only thing we haven't seen from one of them aren't they the obvious five six options as you start to make we're already making 2024 Australian Open contenders list we're back baby yes how you know we're switching into off-season mode but i just don't know how like that next tier of dangerous power hitters it's now samsonova chinwen and ostapenko they're the next tier of like they're just your sleepers period they're the ones who could beat anyone on any given day in the draw they have the power they've displayed whatever they've showed the results etc it's a good win for samsonova but again going into our final matches our pickups we Daria Kasakina advancing out of the Azalea phase uh group excuse me as she beats Krechikov and Lynette again your play-in matches Haddad Maya Garcia winner advances Ostapenko Chinwen winner advances Samsonova Kudermatova Samsonova wins she advances she loses I actually think Ju Lin advances because she got the set off of Samsonova but beat Kudermatova in straight sets so Again, Samsonova wins, she's in. Kudermatova wins. Julin is in. That's where things are at the Elite Trophy as we head into the final day of group play on Friday. And yeah, I'm looking forward to all those matches. Again, the power tennis of Haddad Maya Garcia. Haddad Maya finds the outer thirds and gets Garcia stretched, particularly that slice wide serve. Garcia, who wants to take that return early on the rise, she's going to be so far outside the alley that if she doesn't connect perfectly on that return, Haddad Maya's plus one is just going to be so easy. And I really like the power tennis I've seen from Garcia of late. So I'll take Garcia to advance. I'll take Chin Wen to advance, but that's a freaking toss-up. I'll take Samsonova over Kudermatova as well. So I think we're going to have a Kasekina-Garcia 
Chinwen Samsonova semifinal set in Zhuhai. In. In. That's all I have to say. It's going to be a fun weekend of tennis. We'll cover it all as we continue here on the mini break throughout the course of the week, of course. In that spirit, a thank you as always to our super producer, Daniel Westoff, for the f*** of an editing job he does day in, day out, making all of our content possible. A shout out to him. A shout out as well to our dear friends at Tennis Point. Tennis-point.com. The promo code is CR15. With that said, for our fantastic super producer, Daniel Westoff, our friends at Tennis Point from all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You know what we say. That's the break, and we'll talk to you all tomorrow. Thanks, everyone.